Welcome to Stories of Iceland. We had another volcanic eruption at the site quite close to the last one. It did not last long. This could go on for decades. Fairly unpredictable eruptions at various sizes that can last for days or years. I read an interesting statistic recently. Apparently, less than 1% of all podcasts last for more than 30 episodes. This did something to alleviate my guilt for being repeatedly sidetracked and failing to produce episodes. My Patreon is still up, but I should note that I have passed the billing cycles when there are no episodes. If you want to help me focus more of my energy towards this podcast, please support me on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash stories of Iceland. I'd like to thank all of my supporters, especially Troy Williams and Kristen Rose, friends of the podcast. Join them at patreon.com slash stories of Iceland. There is extra material there. But this is Stories of Iceland and this is episode 44, Songs of Exploding Sands. Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital city is Reykjavik. When I started Stories of Iceland, I felt I needed a theme for opening and closing the show. This was back in 2017. I went through various pieces of folk music, but didn't find anything that I was happy with. This led me to composer Sewaldi Kaldalons. His last name, Kaldalons, literally means cold lagoon, and refers to a place near to where he lived for a time. He made his living as a doctor, but his music is still performed by symphonies and school children. Sewalde was born in 1881 and died in 1946. For most of the world, copyright lasts 70 years after a person dies, Actually, 70 years plus the rest of the year. So on January 1st, 2017, the music of Sigvald de Caldolons entered the public domain. The composer's most famous piece is written for a poem called Ausprinkisandior, Galloping Over Desert Sands. It is also a favorite of mine. In my mind, this has always been a rock song in disguise. I am no musician, I have never studied any instrument, but a few years ago I taught myself to touch the right keys on a piano while reading sheet music. This is not the same as playing the piano. My main goal was to be able to carefully play sheet music from an old book of Icelandic folk songs. My very basic understanding of musical annotation meant that I could use the sheet music for Ausprengisandi to make a so-called MIDI file. I could then manipulate this file in music programs. Mm. 
The song is usually performed by a singer accompanied by a piano. Since I had no vocals, I replaced them with an electric guitar synthesizer and had the program play the tune at a very high tempo. The poem is about the feeling of paranoia that comes from being in the highland deserts of Iceland. The desert in this case is Sprengisandur, literally exploding sands. The name likely refers to the fact that it is in an area that includes or is close to various volcanoes. If you picture it, please remember that the sand is black. The point of view of the poem is that of a rider who is driving a herd of sheep back home from their summer grazing area. I have not found any English translation of the poem that comes close to the feeling evoked by the Icelandic text. Rhythm, rhythm, rekomir sandin means ride, ride, drive over the sand. Here driving refers to herding sheep. The beauty of the music is that it echoes the lyrics. The melody gives us a sense of urgency. This ride is not fun. It is not a bunch of jolly fellows enjoying their work. Despite this, it can be quite enjoyable to perform the song. After the first line, the poem goes on to warn that the sun will soon disappear behind a mountain. You begin to understand why the rider is uneasy. Being on the cold black sand after dark is not a happy thought. The rider tells his fellow riders and us that unclean spirits roam when darkness falls on the glacial ice. And the last lines are repeated pleadings to God to guide the rider's horse because the last part of the journey will be long. The second stanza starts with dread. The rider tells his companions to be quiet, and the music echoes this need for being careful. The rider speculates that he heard a fox who wants to wet his jaws with blood, or that it might be a man calling out. The last two lines are repeated where the rider imagined that the sound was actually outlaws from a nearby lava field that are herding their own sheep in secret. One of the most common threats in Icelandic folktales is the outlaw. This goes back all the way to the age of settlement and is even included in quite a few sagas. In older stories, outlaws are people who have broken the law in such a way that they are excluded from the protection of the law. They can be killed by anyone if they are found. This can sometimes be limited to a certain number of years. Those who could leave the country usually did. The others often fled to the highland wilderness, hiding as long as they could. These people might have been dangerous before becoming outlaws, and now any encounter with them might lead to your death. As time went on and laws changed, the term outlaw evolved into the modern sense, someone who is on the run from the law. They fled to the highlands to avoid capture and punishment. 
So, returning to the poem, the writer fears that these imagined outlaws might attack his party and steal their herd. The third stanza begins as the first with an encouragement to ride, ride, and drive the sheep across the sand. The writer also notices that the darkness is beginning to creep even closer. Then he imagined that the queen of the elves might be readying herself to travel the sands, and it would not be good to cross her path. The poem concludes with the writer exclaiming in an almost Shakespearean way, that he would give his best horse to be off the sand. There are quite a few toponyms mentioned in the poem that make it easy to pinpoint where the rider and his party are situated. The last line mentions a place called Kedagil, literally translated as Kid Ravine, though I should mention that the kids in questions are most likely goats. This was a safe place to stop before or after crossing the sand. Before I go on, I invite you to think about the poem. What do you think its origins are? Who is the poet? The author was a man called Grimur Thompson. He was born in 1820 and grew up at Bessastadr. Today, Bessastad is the official residence of the President of Iceland. It is not far from downtown Reykjavik, especially not if you happen to have access to a boat. It is also quite a long way from Springisandur, the desert sands that give the poem its name. Grimmer and his family belonged firmly to the upper class of Iceland. One clue is that he did not use a patronym. His father was a son of a man called Thomas and changed his last name from Thomason to the family name Thompson. At 17, Grimur left Iceland to study at the University of Copenhagen. He gave his parents the impression that he was studying law, but his focus was actually on literature. In 1845, he graduated with a master's degree for his thesis on Lord Byron. Eight years later, he was awarded a doctorate for the same piece of writing. Seems weird, but as someone who did more work on my MA thesis than many do on their PhD, I would be happy to be given a new academic title for no extra work. Then Grimur went to work in the Danish Foreign Service, a diplomat that was sent to the power centers of Europe. I bet you didn't see that coming. But he never abandoned literature. In Copenhagen, Grimmer Thompson became acquainted with an author you might have heard of called Hans Christian Andersen. One story about the relationship is that the Icelander met the Danish fairy tale author in great distress after the latter had received a particularly harsh review. Grimur promised Andersen that he would never write anything negative about him. To understand Ausbrinkisante, it is quite helpful to think of Grimur, just like Lord Byron and Andersen, as belonging to the Romantic school of literature, writers who were witnessing a world undergoing industrialization and reacted with works that looked backwards 
to the past, to mythology and to folklore. This was not coincidentally the age of the great folklore collectors. When Grimberg wrote the poem, he was not describing his own experience, but rather an imagined character from the past. He wove together these threads from folklore, history, and landscape, and created a picture of darkness, fear, and paranoia. In 1867, Grimberg returned to Iceland. He became a gentleman farmer at Bessastadir, wrote quite a bit, became a member of the Althingi, and in 1896 he died in the same room that he had been born in. Grimur is buried at Bessastadir, so if you ever want to poke around there and someone asks you what you're doing, you can claim that you didn't know that the president lives there, but rather that you were searching for the grave of the great poet and diplomat Grimur Thompson. But don't tell them I told you to say that. I should note that Ausbringisante had traditionally been sung to a different tune. I simply like Sigvaldi's music better, but I should give you a taste of the original. <laughs> At first, Ausbringisante was both my opening and closing theme for the podcast. I later learned that there were people who liked to listen to the show when falling asleep, but then the return of the aggressive song wakes them back up. Since I appreciate sleeping aids, I was not offended, so I started thinking about a new piece of music to end the show on. My mind searched for songs that say goodbye. I quickly settled on a traditional tune that accompanies another poem written in the 19th century. It is a melancholic piece of music that I could easily transcribe. I would like to have used a synthesized version of the Icelandic stringed instrument called Longspill for the tune, but none was available, so I settled on a dulcimer, which is close enough. The poet Christian Jonsson was born in 1842 in the northeast of Iceland. His early life was the opposite of Grimur. He lost his father when he was five and did not get along with his stepfather. At 13 he moved home and eventually became a farmhand at a place called Holsfjöll. The name does not seem quite as weird in Icelandic, but in English it is literally Hill Mountains. The name is important because, as a poet, he became known as the Poet of the Mountains. At 22 years old, Christian was accepted at the so-called Latin school in Reykjavik. The closest equivalent that I can think of would be an English grammar school. The school had actually been at Bessastair until 1846. Getting into the school was quite an achievement given his social status. 
When Christian left for Reykjavik, he had to cross the Icelandic highlands. The poem Ausandi or On the Sand is usually said to be his reflection of leaving home. A rough and literal translation of the poem would be Over cold desert sand, at night I wander alone. Now the north has disappeared. Now I have no home. As someone who left the north to go south for education, I can relate quite a bit, but mostly I connect it with the period when I lost my maternal grandparents and we had to sell their house, a house that had been the only constant in my life. At times it was my actual home, but it was always a home in the sense of a place that I could always return to. So at the time I recited the lines in my mind. Now the north has disappeared. Now I have no home. The poem is quite melancholic, just like the poet himself, who might be characterized as an arts new romantic. And the text has also been interpreted as representing a man confronting a godless world. The second most famous poem by Christian is called Thoratrætl and tells the story of a horrible winter and how it has afflicted the farmer, the fisherman, etc. It is often sung to a quite jolly tune that often leaves the singer breathless. Let's listen to a clip of accordion player Örvar Kristjánsson taking this to the extreme. Nú er frostamanna, frónimanna, frísimanna, æðumanna, blóð, kveðumanna, kuldamanna, ljóð, kárimanna, jöðumanna, móð. Í fyrir laksamanna, lónimanna, leikumanna, klakamanna, þýr, ferðumanna, ríðamanna, dýr, hamramanna, gýr, maramanna, báramanna, blá, brotnamanna, þungumanna, há, unnamanna, steinamanna, á, vildamanna, brettamanna, brá. Í fyrir aflamanna, tjónimanna, æraðstmanna, skýrstjórinn, harmamanna, hlutimanna, sinn, hásetinn. Christian, poet of the mountains, did not fare well in the Latin school of Reykjavik. Though the school had no age limit, he was likely older than most of the students. In fact, many people his own age had started their education at 16 or 17 and had graduated when he arrived. Christian spent four years at the school and it is often said that he developed a drinking problem. Not uncommon for young men in the big city. Even though Christian had not graduated, he was still educated enough to be hired as a teacher in Wattmafjörður, the fjord under the sheep's tail. The winter in Wattmafjörður did not help Christian, and he died on April 9th, 1869, not yet 27 years old. The night before, he had been part of a celebration in honor of King Christian the Ninth's birthday, and it is often hinted that the poet had been drinking too much. 
The house that Christian died in is now in the Open Air Museum Orbeersap in Reykjavik, but the poet is buried in Vatnafjörður, not far from Bustafell, the farm that was the subject of episode 12, Gable Mountain Farm. It is also quite close to the farm where my wife grew up. That was the tale of my theme music. You might have noticed a little surprise that both tunes are connected to poems that revolve around people traveling the black desert sands of Sprengisandur. One imaginary tale of a person battling his paranoia, the other about a real person reflecting on his own personal fears. I think that together they make fine bookends for the podcast. That is it for today, thanks to Vaida von Helstare, Emily Cooper, Emily Harper, Evan Williams, Jon Helgason, and all my other supporters. And as always, special thanks to Troy Williams and Kristen Rose, friends of the podcast. I am Ole Gnistis Oliasson, and this has been Stories of Iceland. Episode 44, Songs of Exploding Sands. <laughs>